Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to another episode here on GEMS Podcast. I am your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Jessica Wilson. And here's a bit about Jessica. She is a self-advocacy coach from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, currently living in Atlanta, Hotlanta, y'all. She works with minorities in race, gender, education, socioeconomic status, etc., teaching them effective methods to speak up for themselves in medical employment and personal relationship spaces. After experiencing a difficult twin pregnancy in 2017 and being diagnosed with breast cancer in 2020, Jessica knows that many people shy away from advocating for themselves when speaking to those perceived as authority figures, especially doctors and nurses. She believes that self-advocacy is a crucial life skill that we should all possess, and her goal is for everyone to strengthen their competency and put it into practice. Jessica has successfully advocated for herself against a major car manufacturer in a Lemon Law case, her medical team, and senior leadership at a Fortune 500 company. She is a natural, logical thinker and complex problem solver and has used her passion for process improvement to launch a coaching career, helping others develop and employ effective self-advocacy strategies. And without further ado, please welcome Jessica Wilson, where she will share some fun facts. And we're going to dive into Why is it important to advocate for yourself within the medical space? Well, thanks, Genesis, for having me, first and foremost. And I am very passionate about folks speaking up for themselves in general, but specifically in the medical space, it can literally mean the difference between life or death. It can literally mean the difference between you being able to overcome a sickness or an illness much faster than just listening to what the doctors may say and then potentially going through some things you may not need to go through. So medical self-advocacy near and dear to my heart, very passionate about it, and I want everyone to speak up at all times. I love that. And have you ever thought about going back and getting a degree in it? Because I know you have a bachelor's degree in industrial engineering from the University of Pittsburgh and a master's degree in industrial and systems engineering from the University of Florida and an MBA. And an MBA from the University of Florida. So you are well versed and accomplished. And is um, UF, is that the Gators? Are you a Gator? Yes. Okay. Yes, I am. Because <laughs> I know sometimes whenever, you know, life happens and you fall into like a newfound passion, people want to get the credentials behind their name. So have you thought about that? I feel like I have enough letters after my name and... I tend to go back to school whenever I'm feeling bored. I am anything but bored these days. So probably not. I will admit I did think about going back and getting a PhD. Then I had to talk myself off the ledge, though. I said, Jessica, for what? (laughs) Are you going to be 
an instructor. Do you want to teach? No, not really. I just, you know, like the idea of being Dr. Jessica Wilson. So until I have a little bit more passion behind that, probably won't be going back to school anytime soon. But I feel like the credentials that I do have, as well as the experiences that I've had advocating for myself, make me more than willing, able, competent to help lead others through. Nice. And thank you for sharing that. And now I want to kind of dive into your pregnancy first, and then we'll highlight your breast cancer journey. So when you were pregnant with your twins, what um, part of it became difficult? And was that the moment when you knew that you needed to take matters in your own hand and become your own advocate? Okay, so the pregnancy started off fine. You know, everything was well. We were going in for just a standard well check appointment. And then the nurse that was doing the ultrasound was like, hmm. And anytime a nurse or doctor says, hmm, it's not necessarily the best news that's going to follow. So of course, this is my first pregnancy. I'm like, what? What is it? She's like, oh, it may be nothing. I just want the doctor to come in and take a look. And I'm like, all right. So the doctor comes in. He just starts asking me general questions. You know, I'm thinking he's being conversational. And then all of a sudden, he's like, why don't you go sit on this contraction monitor? And I'm like, contractions? I'm only 22 weeks. Why would I be having contractions? Turns out I was having contractions and didn't know it. So my body was preparing itself for labor and it was like entirely too soon. So what was happening was my cervix was starting to funnel, meaning whenever you're dilating, you're opening from the outside. Well, my cervix was opening from the inside. So the length of my cervix was getting shorter and shorter because of these contractions I was having, but not feeling. So he told my husband, do not pass go, do not collect $200, take your wife immediately to the hospital. Again, me being naive, I'm like, oh, sure, they'll check me out, everything will be fine, and I don't have anything to worry about it. And then I was admitted that day and forced to stay there for seven weeks. I was on hospital bed rest for seven weeks. I was not allowed to stand up, walk around. If I wanted to take a shower, it could be five minutes tops and I had to be sitting in the shower and then I had to get back in the bed. Like it was crucial that I do not do anything to cause my body any sort of extra stress or my contractions could start up again and they not be able to stop them. And then my girls would be like super preemies. So while going through all of this, contractions would happen sometimes and then they would normally be able to stop them. Well, there was one time I was having contractions, they gave me a medication, and the medication immediately made my heart rate like speed up. I felt like I was having a panic attack. And while this is a known potential side effect, they were saying, okay, yours went a little bit too high. You're not allowed to have this medication. Again, I said, okay, duly noted. Mind you, I'm in the hospital. I'm taking notes. Who said what, on what day, what time, what the medication was, all of that. So fast forward a week or two, I start having contractions again. Now a totally different doctor comes in the room and they're like, yep, we're gonna give you medication A again. And I'm like, nope, the doctor said, the previous doctor said I'm not allowed to have that anymore. The new doctor proceeds to pretty much argue with me as to why I'm getting this medication. And it was at that moment that I know I needed to put my foot down because no, I was there, I experienced it. I know I was having almost a panic attack. My heart rate is through the roof. And a prior doctor said no more. And so they're just trying to circle back. Well, what is it that we gave you? And what makes you think you can't have it again? And so now I'm in the bed like in another thing. I'm not taking this medication. This is what happened. I'm not doing it. So you need to come up with a plan B. 
And me being able to hold my ground forced them to come up with another medication, skip down the list to the next one, what have you. But had I not done so, I could have potentially put myself and my pregnancy in even more danger because now my body is just struggling to stay alive, thinking it's having some sort of attack. And yeah, from that point forward, I made sure to continue to document literally everything because just because you have a different doctor in the room, they may not share all their notes effectively. Anything can happen. Wow. And that was unnecessary for a doctor to be arguing with the patient, even though you had already voiced to him that the previous doctor said that you were no longer going to take that medication due to the side effects that it was giving you. And mind you, you were on bed rest and you're not supposed to be in an environment that is stressful. So that could have Uh added more to you know, the situation, because it's like adding fuel to the fire. And that's why it's like so frustrating, but so vital that patients are being heard by their physicians and physicians actually take time to listen to the patients Mm -hmm. because they are not in the patient's body and they can't feel what your body is going through and how you are feeling and how that's affecting you mentally and physically. So it can be exhausting. So now let's jump into fast forwarding. Um, You made it through that. You have beautiful twin girls and et cetera. (laughs) You are still um, focusing on the medical advocacy piece and then boom. 2020 comes and you were diagnosed with breast cancer. What was that journey like? And then I want you to paint us a picture of when you got the news, where were you? How did you feel? And what kicked into drive? Okay, so 2020, we're at the beginning of a pandemic. No one knows what life is anymore. Are we staying home? Are we going out? Is everybody contagious? We don't know. So it started off as it was time for just my annual with my gynecologist. And so I go in for that appointment. I bring up some concerns like, yeah, I think one of my breasts is getting a little bit larger than the other. Sometimes I feel like I'm having like a lightning bolt sort of pain kind of radiate through it. Not sure what's really going on. Now, I naturally have fibroids in my breasts. So he his initial response was, well, you naturally have lumpy, bumpy breasts, but let's get a mammogram and an ultrasound just to be sure we can, you know, just quell all worries. And I was like, okay, great. Um, Again, being at the beginning of COVID, it was difficult for me to get into um, an appointment to get the ultrasound and the mammogram. Doctors' offices are trying to figure out this new way of life. Everyone's trying to figure out, do I need to get in now? What is a virtual telehealth appointment? No one really knew. So it took a while for me to be able to actually get that appointment. From the time I had my annual to the time I finally was able to get in to get the mammogram and the ultrasound, I would say maybe two or three months had passed. And in that time, my breast had almost doubled in size. So I knew that something was wrong. So we get in, they're trying to do the mammogram. The breast is so inflamed and large, they can't even get a good image of it. And so they switch and say, all right, we got what we can for the mammogram. Let's go ahead and do the ultrasound. And while we're doing the ultrasound, I hear another, hmm. And I'm like, here we go again. And so they're like, yeah, we completed the ultrasound. We really think you should get a biopsy done. And so I was able to get the biopsy scheduled fairly quickly. So maybe a week later on a Monday, I had the biopsy. And the person that was doing 
the biopsy overall and looking at the ultrasound image again, she starts asking me questions like, have you had a fever recently? And I'm like, no, I've been perfectly fine. Come to find out she's trying to rule out like mastitis, which is inflammation of your mammary glands. And I'm like, well, I've been done breastfeeding for about three years now. So if there is any milk in there, we have another set of issues going on. But <laughs> no, I haven't, you know, had any sort of breast issues as far as milk or anything like that. Haven't had any sort of um, fevers. I haven't been feeling sick. And so it wasn't her place to tell me that I had breast cancer, but I could look at her face and tell that the chances of it being nothing to worry about at all were very slim. And I guess in looking at her face, she saw the panic start to build in mine. And she was amazing at her job. And she knew immediately that she needed to give me something to anchor to instead of just letting my mind spiral while we wait for the results, the official results. And so she said, we don't know anything for sure, but what I want you to do is look up an oncologist and look up a breast surgeon. This will give you something to do, do your research and everything prior to you knowing for a fact it's become a critical necessity. Um, versus trying to look up all these things in the middle of you just now getting some bad news. So I was able to hold on to that, look up an oncologist, look up a breast surgeon. Um, I had the biopsy on Monday, and then I had an appointment with the breast surgeon that Friday. And it was my husband and I in the breast surgeon's office whenever she like sat us down and gave us the results that I had stage three inflammatory breast cancer first person pretty much in my family to have it. I have no family history. Um, I did genetic testing. I do not have a breast cancer gene. It's just spontaneous luck of the draw, I guess. So being diagnosed with something that you know is a killer of man is very tough to go through. Your brain goes through all sorts of what-if scenarios. You immediately want to Google, but you know Googling is not recommended, but that's the only way in today's day and age for you to really get information. Like, I don't have encyclopedias books in my house anymore. I did when we were growing up, but I can't tell you the last time I, like, bought an encyclopedia set. So there are some things that you can only get from Google and the internet. So it was just a lot of initial panic and feeling all the feels. But me being trained as an industrial engineer and being kind of just an innately logical person in general, I knew that I needed to feel all the feels, get them out, and then come up with a plan of action. What do we do next? What are the next steps? And it was, okay, first we're gonna get you a port place so that we can give you your chemotherapy through your port instead of blowing out your veins and your arms. And then we're gonna meet with the oncologist and we're gonna go through um, what the standard course of treatment and stuff is. And then we'll just take it from there. You'll get one chemo treatment. We'll see how you feel. And having that plan made it all easier for me, but I didn't have my self-advocacy coach aha moment until the second meeting with the oncologist. And that's whenever I knew like, yep, this isn't going to work for me unless I make some changes. Wow. And it's so important that we as women and, and men included to know how our body feels and like always do those self checks. So mm -hmm. whenever something feels abnormal, we can jump on it sooner, ra sooner rather than later. And so you said you noticed that your boobs were swelling. So one boob was larger than the other one, right? Yes. 
And then as you began to go um, through this journey to get testing and et cetera, wow, that's a long time to wait from your well woman's exam to when you get into a doctor's appointment, two months. And yes, with the pandemic, but you know, I felt like with the pandemic, they should have had other policies and practices in place for mm -hmm. emergency situations, because I felt like a lot of care was remiss and lives could have been saved. And I'm just speaking from experience because the pandemic was crucial, but it was also disheartening for people who went into, you know, the doctor's office or the hospitals or, you know, um, for treatment and they didn't get adequate care because everyone felt the pandemic was precedence. Yes, it's precedence, but other people need help too. And my dad actually passed in 2020 due to medical negligence. And when you try to tell the doctors one thing, they're fighting against you because they think they know it all. And I feel like we need to do a better job with bridging the gap between patients and physicians. I don't know what that's going to look like, but as you are advocating, what are some tips and tricks that you can give the listeners and viewers on how they can advocate for themselves? Because we know in the hospitals, there's case managers, there's social workers, there's patient advocates and et cetera, but not all the time is this information privy to the patient. Mm -hmm. I would say some of the key things, first and foremost, you have to listen to your gut. And I go by just the IE on social media because IE stands for industrial engineer, but it also stands for intuition endorser. Our bodies innately can sense when something is wrong. And a lot of times, even growing up, we're taught to just kind of quell that little inside voice. Everyone always says, listen to your gut, except whenever you're talking to a police officer or except whenever you're talking to a doctor or a nurse. It's always listen to your gut unless the person you're talking to is in a position of power. And it's like, yeah, no, that's not going to work for me. So listen to your gut. If it feels like something is wrong, something is off, something could be better, jot it down, write it down, speak up, say something, but make sure that you're listening to yourself. Um, yes, doctors and nurses have gone to school. They are experts in their fields, but you are the expert in your body. You know what's normal for you, regardless of what their textbooks say. You know that yeah, this is something that to generally happens to people of color, but you also know that as this person of color, this doesn't necessarily suit my specific situation. Do not let doctors, nurses, anyone kind of paint you into a box that you personally know you do not fit in. Um, um, whenever I was in, uh, assigned my initial oncologist, he was a man of color. However, I could tell almost immediately he really couldn't care less whether I lived or died. And for me, that is a red flag. That is not going to work. As my oncologist, you are my quarterback. My life literally is in your hands. You are a crucial part of the team that's going to work to keep me alive. And so him showing up 40 minutes late, him offering no apologies, no explanations, him seeing on paper that I'm an engineer and then deciding, oh yeah, but you're an engineer, you understand all these things. And then stopping talking to me as a patient and then proceeding to speak to me as if I were a colleague, all of those things were unacceptable for me because I'm going through something traumatic. Yes, I'm an engineer, my brain is logical, but A, I'm not a doctor and B, I'm in shock right now. I need you to show some sort of empathy. How would you break this news to your mother, to your sister, to your grandmother? I can't imagine it would be that cold. 
And it was at that moment that I knew, A, I needed to switch practices, doctors, hospital networks, whatever it took, but B, I needed to help others who may be in this position know effective ways to make that change as well. So listen to your gut, speak up as loudly, as often as you can, and know and be confident in yourself such that whenever you do need to push back, you don't cave at the first sign of someone else pushing back as well. If the answer is no, you need to be firm in your no. If you want to get a second opinion, do not let someone force you into doing something before you're ready. Very, very few things in life need to have a decision made right now. And it's your health. You need to become a partner in that, not just someone that's along for the ride. Absolutely. And second opinions are key. And there are a lot of insurance providers that do pay for second opinions. Mm -hmm. If you're worried about the costs, because there's always a way to work around those costs, um, knowing that there's power in your voice, and you're actually the pilot of your life, you have the right to voice your opinions, whether or not that physician accepts it or not. They are not the end all be all. And then as Jessica said, your intuition will never steer you wrong. So when you're going through health issues, you need to have your dream team. Who are who are those people that are going to be around you to champion you and also voice your concerns? Maybe if you can't speak for yourself, is mm -hmm. it your spouse? Is it your mother, your father, your sisters? Um, um, maybe a friend of yours, have somebody in your corner that can fight for you when you can't fight for yourself and never second guess yourself. If you know that something is not right and it doesn't feel right, go with your gut instinct. I can't stress that enough. And then if it gets to the point where that physician or the hospital or the um, caregivers aren't listening to you, you can report them to your state board. Here in Absolutely. Texas, we have Keepro. So use your resources and don't feel like there's not an outlet because there's always hope. And Jessica, as you continue your medical advocacy work based on your previous experience with um, your twin pregnancy and being on bed rest for seven weeks and then breast cancer and overcoming that journey, where do you see your advocacy work going? So my overall goal, of course, is to have every being on the planet believed and heard and feel seen throughout every aspect of their life. Now, that is a very lofty goal for one woman, but I am up for the challenge. And what I'm in the process of creating now is a self-advocacy course. Because yes, I can work with lots of folks one-on-one, -on -one, but I can greater increase my circle of influence by offering something that's a standalone product that folks can go through, take at their own leisure, and get a lot of these self-advocacy nuggets from. Um, I will be partnering with some local hospitals here in the Georgia area so that the hospital networks and doctor's offices can put their money where their mouth is. Everyone loves to talk about diversity and inclusion and patients come first. Well, what better way to demonstrate that than by teaching your patients how to advocate for themselves, even if it's against you? So yes, I'll have some standard things in there. This is how you speak up. Here are some of the folks that you can reach out to. Here's how you can keep a journal or a log of some of your own symptoms. So whenever you walk in, you're setting your medical team up with the most information possible, increasing the likelihood of them being able to accurately diagnose you the first time. 
and not have to feel like you were some puppet just going through and, well, let's try this, let's try that. When in reality, you just had a stubbed toe and they're over here trying to suggest that you need toe surgery. And it's like, nope, I just kicked my bed. It's okay. You know, I need to keep all 10 of my toes. But in doing so, the doctor's offices and hospital networks can say, yes, we support you. We want you to speak up if you see anything wrong. And also here's the most effective way to do it at our practice, whether it's a patient portal or phone numbers or ensuring that you are set up with a dedicated nurse navigator or social worker or things like that if need be. But I feel like being able to partner with the doctor's offices and hospital networks along with having the medical self-advocacy course now I can impact hundreds of people, thousands of people, and not just folks that I can squeeze into what, a 24-hour day, because that can get pretty exhausting if you're trying to talk to every single person that you come in contact with on a one-on-one basis. I love that, and I can't wait till that's launched, because I think it's going to be incredible. I also love the fact that you are building those partnerships and creating the rapport with some of the local hospitals in Georgia. Another thing that I would encourage you to do if it's not too much strain on your plate is maybe partner with some of the high schools because I know they have Mm -hmm. health organizations like there was one called HOSA. So Health Occupation Students of America because those students go into the hospital and do some rotations and volunteer activities and et cetera. And if they have the information and the knowledge, they could also share that since they're already inside building relationships with so many key players. So that would be cool to see there. And Jessica, as we begin to wind down, how can the listeners and viewers connect with you on social media and plug your website? Then you could close us out with your CTA call to action. All righty. Well, I am nothing if I am not consistent. So if you're looking for me, uh, all of my social media tags and handles are pretty much the same. I am at Jess, D-I-E, J-E-S-S-T-H-E-I-E. That's on Facebook. That's on Instagram. Um, I'm not sure if you can search Jessie on LinkedIn, but if you look for Jessica Wilson, you will see my beautiful little face up there in my picture. Feel free to follow along and enjoy this journey with me. My website is www.jessie.com and you can find my blog there. You can find anything you'd like to know about self-advocacy on my website, on my social media channels. So come along and join me. I'd love to have you. Awesome. And what's your call to action for our listeners and viewers? Something to help them jumpstart and start their own medical advocacy journey whenever they start seeing their physicians. Okay. Well, uh, one product that I have launched is a top 21 list. So it's the top 21 questions that folks can ask at their doctor's appointments, plus tips and tricks on things you can say whenever you need to push back. Um, I have it so that it's a PDF, but it's also fillable. So you can use it on your phone. If you want to bring it with you, jot down any notes. I have a space in there for you to write any of your own questions in advance. Anything I can do to help you become more prepared and be more confident in that doctor's office, that is what I am here to give forth to the world. Um, You can find the link to that on my website, again, www.jessie.com under my free resources section. Or if you follow me on social media, there is a link to it in my bio. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, Jen, the host with the mostest, and you just heard Jessica Wilson, our 
industrial engineer, but also intuition encourager. So make sure you connect with her. All of her contact information will be in the show notes and trust yourself enough to know that you are an asset, not a liability, and you are here for a reason. We believe in you and we need you to believe in yourself. Until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast where you're listening and follow us on YouTube at Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp for all video content. Thank you for listening to another segment of Gems Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to Gems Podcast on your audio platform as well as our YouTube channel, Gems with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.